You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Are you happy, Ken? Yeah, you hit game really hard, really confidently. Yes, well, usually I screwed up as I did the last intro, but... Uh, I got to say, if you can hear this message, please come save me um, because <laughs> I feel like I've been trapped in this room. Because I'm oppressing you? No, not at all. <laughs> you and I have been uh, good friends for a long time, so never feel like you're uh, oppressing me. All right. That's good. Neil, yeah. how are you doing? Doing all right. My pockets are a little empty from paying the SNL cue card guy so Jeff could get the intro right, but yeah, doing all right. <laughs> My pockets are empty too. I don't have a banana today. Unfortunately, you, <laughs> you yeah. Where's your Where's your visual gag? I ate breakfast at home today. All right, so no visual gags today. No. <laughs> well, oh, that's just good. my face. Because as you know, uh, still we are an audio only podcast. So. Hey, <laughs> we are. Yeah, Matt isn't here today. Um, our friend Marcus Ellis is uh, closing on a house, and Matt uh, took it upon himself to go to IKEA and to demand that their living room set be delivered exactly as it is shown. He's getting him a flurg. Yeah, exactly. A Florg, a Bjorg, and a Schmorg. Mm-hmm. And two Billies. Well, you got to complete the bedroom set. So Yeah, and I, I think Matt is a huge fan of meatballs, but I just don't think they have the supply to make him he happy. He likes the movie meatballs, not the food, the movie. Oh, just the movie. Yeah. But what if the movie was an actual food? I don't know. HelloFresh is doing Netflix-style deliveries now with uh, DVDs in the box. <laughs> Not our best bit, but we do have a great guest today, right, Jeff? We do. Uh, we've got, actually got a few guests, including our host, which I will get to in a moment. But our first guest that I will bring to you today, Savage Superstar from Louisville, Kentucky, Katie Cowley. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I live here in Louisville, Kentucky with my husband and two boys. Uh, I'm a copy editor for the local public school district. Very nice. And uh, how'd you uh, get into trivia? How'd you find our podcast? Uh, my husband's a big trivia buff, and so he got me into it. And I found you guys through your sister podcast, The Misinformation. Yay. We love them. <laughs> yes, we do. Shout out to them. Yeah, we, Julie and Lauren are great. So if you're not listening to Misinfo, I'm going to pitch them again for the hundredth time. Please do so. Yes, and our friend Lauren uh, has her first book published called 500 Patterns, which is really great. I picked up a copy, so if you have a chance to go to an independent bookstore, if possible, great. If not, Amazon, but uh, great book, and congratulations to her and her team. Indeed. So thanks for joining us, Katie. Our next guest contestant today is going to be a rules guy impersonator from Opelika, 
that uh, Alabama? Do I have that right, Oliver? That is correct. And uh, that's Oliver Banta. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, hopefully, uh, it'll be. Uh, I'll do a, a good job of not embarrassing myself too much. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm in Opelika, Alabama. I've worked in healthcare IT for probably the last twenty or so years, and uh, just looking forward to uh, participating today. I must say that you are one of our best dressed guests. Um, but I think that's because I can see myself on your shirt. So uh. yes, he's wearing the well, actually Jeff shirt from the T Public store. So uh, go over to that store, pick up one of your own if you want Jeff on your on your uh, chest. I guess I, I will say the long sleeve shirt feels uh, the 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 fabric is is fantastic. Good. All right. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad you're happy. It's with like it. a warm hug from Jeff directly. I don't <laughs> mind people buying the actually shirt, but I did prohibit people in my immediate family and and G from getting one because that would be uncomfortable for me. Yeah. I'm really surprised the CEO of T Public allowed you to send in your personal moisturizer for them to put into the fabric. <laughs> you don't you don't mean his personal moisturizer, you mean his personal <laughs> moisture? Yeah, his sweat. Yeah. Yeah. That's gross. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody. Nobody. All right. And with uh, that gross point aside, uh, why don't we bring it over to our host today? Oakland Five supporter from St. Louis, Daniel Raymond. How are you doing today, Daniel? Good. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate you coming on. You know, I didn't even ask you before we got started. You had asked me about how I like to play Magic. I, I got to ask you, what's your favorite commander? Uh, so I don't own physical cards anymore, but when I did, I was a dirty blue player. So I played a lot of Aloro, a lot of Kami, very degenerate stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm sure nobody else here gets that, but I'm glad at least somebody does. Degenerate I just, I just is, like the idea of a dirty blue. Yes, it is a very degenerate color. That so. makes me think of dark blue, the uh, Kurt Russell bad cop movie. Mm-hmm. Has nothing That's exactly to do with what magic. my deck was called. It was called Bad Cop. Yeah. <laughs> basically, basically, that version of the deck would be Kurt Russell canceling your spells and making you uh, run your deck out. Basically, yeah. 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 All right. Well, the magic and then, aside, and then the, your opponent would write on a piece of paper Kurt Russell, and, and then it, and then <laughs> perish. Yeah, right. And then you'd have to open their their uh, uh, rigor mortis hands to pull out the uh, piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew you would let so much magic into your intro? But anyway. All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? That's not magic related. Uh well, shoot, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm your jack of all trades IT guy. Um, so, name anything having to do with computers, I've probably dabbled in it a little bit. But uh, I was born and raised in Missouri, went to school in Mizzou, and moved to St. Louis. Been here doing IT stuff ever since. Well, we appreciate you coming on today. We're looking forward to the game you're uh, going to run. But uh, I think before we get started, we have to throw it to the rules guy. Yeah, and last time we had a special rules reading from a celebrity who's not actually that celebrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a second one, right? There is a second one that uh, our listener Casey Griff sent us over. All right, so listen to this great impression by Casey Griff. Rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds, or 10 points apiece. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated. Have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. End of the game. Someone will be named the cream of the crop. Oh yeah, it's all coming together. I am the cream! Well, it sounds like he's a big fan of the Devils, that's for sure. That is for sure, uh, and hopefully he's sponge-worthy. <laughs> 
great, great impressions again. Uh, so thank you for sending those in. Um, so without further ado, I guess let's get to the game. Um, I think, uh, Neil, I think our team should be Dirty Blue. I was inspired. Yeah, I like Dirty Blue. Um, and uh, just as a little Neil story here, when I was at University of Iowa and I tried out for Herky the mascot, uh, I did a dance move that I coined the Dirty Herky, Ugh. which I guess worked. I mean, it, I got it, but it I wasn't feeling great about it. It doubled as a uh, lovemaking move as well. <laughs> just with a lot of... <laughs> a lot of squ- squawks. Keep the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> just the mask, yeah. And your team name? Uh, we... <laughs> We came up with uh, hopelessly unoriginal because that's what we are, and we, we also has been determined that's the name of Ken's biography. Sad. <laughs> I love that you're getting in a jab before the game starts, just to knock a stick in my head. Just getting getting my head a little bit. Ken gets in his own head if the last game is any evidence. So, yeah, doesn't need any help. Yeah. All right. So, real quick, uh, I just want to say that this game is probably on the easier side of most games you've seen. So good. Cause I'm uh, sleepy. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully it's still enjoyable for everyone. But with that in mind, we'll start with question one. The actor playing Luther Stickle in the mission impossible series is the only actor besides Tom Cruise to appear in every movie. He's also the actor portraying Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction among any, many other roles, as well as the spokesperson you hear in the Arby's commercials. What is his name? That's him in the Arby's commercials? Yeah. Oh my that gosh. is him in the Arby's commercials. That's okay. my, fam- my well, favorite fact on him. We're good otherwise. Katie, I can picture him. I know who exactly who it is. I don't know his name. Uh, we're in luck here because I remembered that I think it's Ving Rames, uh, which is one of the coolest first names I've ever heard, Ving. And uh, Neil, you got that down correctly or did your pride f- with you? We have the Rames. So we said Ving Rames. That is correct. The answer is Ving Rhames. Points all around. All right. Question number two. At the end of the 1980s, Operation Just Cause had the United States chasing Manuel Noriega to an embassy. This was coined Operation Nifty Package, where they used rock music on loudspeakers, among other tactics, to demoralize the occupants until Noriega surrendered. What Central American country was the U.S. invading? I can tell you that if you played Bon Jovi on loudspeakers to me for like 10 minutes, I'd be completely demoralized. I, I, I surrender. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a, a slightly older individual, so I, I remember this very clearly. And uh, I think uh, they were playing Van Halen as well, uh, but uh, we went with Panama. Oh, that would be interesting. Um, we just went with Guatemala because we really don't know. Um, we weren't around and we picked uh, Guatemala just because. Yeah, so there were other tracks on the playlist, such as Welcome to the Jungle and I Fought the Law, but the answer is Panama. That makes makes sense. Yeah. Now that I hear it, it makes a lot of sense. And I would surrender immediately. (laughs) (laughs) After after Panama, I would surrender. Once it gets into the other stuff. Just, Just Panama. I'd listen to Panama and then I surrender. All right, question number three. He started from the bottom... Now this rapper has the most top 10 billboard hits of all time of any genre. Who is he? And for a bonus five points, who is number two on that list? All right. Neil feels pretty good about both of these, so we're going to lock in. All right, Katie. Uh, I listened to rap a long time ago, so I know, you know <laughs> like the original rappers, but you know, I'm thinking maybe Eminem or Jay-Z or somebody. I, I don't get the from the bottom reference, though. 
Yeah. Well, that's actually, uh, I basically only know him from the Sprite commercials and uh, the folklore that he was on Degrassi, which was a Canadian TV uh, teenage like soapy drama. Uh, but this is Drake, I believe. The second artist is a bit of a puzzle. Uh, Michael Jackson or Mariah Carey is kind of what I'm thinking. What do you, which one would you like to go with? Uh, we can do Michael Jackson. He's yeah. Let's do that. Michael Jackson. All right. I loved hearing, uh, the other team's discussion. Um, uh, Drake is our first answer. Uh, I know he's got a ton of hits, uh, and, uh, as, uh, Daniel mentioned, started from the bottom. Now, now we're here. So that's one of his songs. And, um, Anytime in trivia recently, in the last like five years, when there's a question about multiple hits and billboards and things like that, someone who just keeps climbing the charts and I think maybe already overtook Madonna is uh, Rihanna. So that's our our bonus guess. So the first part is correct. It is Drake. Uh, Rihanna hasn't quite overtaken Madonna. So the answer is Madonna for the bonus. Oh, rats. Yeah, I forget how many of those uh, accomplishments Drake has. His songs just stay on the air forever, so that makes sense. Yeah, but also you got to remember is that New Kids on the Block also had a bunch of hits. <laughs> so I thought it might be them, but I guess I was wrong. All right, question number four. The Robert Langdon series by Dan Brown follows the titular protagonist through various conspiratorial adventures. Although you might not know the series by the character, you've probably heard of The Da Vinci Code. What is the name of the book that comes before it in the series? We can lock in here. I think Angels and Demons is the book before that... Da Vinci Code, but I don't know if that's a series or or what have you. And, and I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, the Angels and Demons popped into my head too, and I'm not sure if that was the book that came before it or after it, but I think that's the only <laughs> answer we have. So might as well go with angels and demons sounds great to me now neil was angels and demons the one where um they had an unnecessarily attractive cardinal in it yes that is right yeah yeah like i've uh, never seen a cardinal that hot jude law no uh, and mcgregor he was a pope yeah um yeah i remember and mcgregor i read the da vinci code a long time ago and then the movie angels and demons came out and someone said oh actually that's the first book in the series and then i went and read angels and demons second uh so that's what we locked in as well angels and demons yep angels and demons is correct the first book out of five in the series and a new tv series coming out called langdon all right question number five the U.S. housing bubble in the early 21st century caused immense bailouts of many financial corporations, except for one that got left out. This global financial firm and investment bank acquired so many unstable mortgages during that time that it ended up going bankrupt in September of 2008, one of the largest failures in history. Name this bank. I thought I was one of the largest failures in history. <laughs> Ken, I, I don't know anything about financial stuff. So. Yeah, me neither, because I don't have any money. So uh, let's just go with this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just coming up with names of banks and uh, financial terms, uh, dividends, uh, hedge <laughs> funds. Uh, no, uh, I was th the name Goldman Sachs came into my head. Freddie May or Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I don't know. Uh, I I think it's Lehman Brothers. Uh, that was a pretty big news event and. Uh, 
Sounds I'm like actually working store. on my uh, master's in accountancy right now, so I kind of uh, enjoy that type of material. So I'm, I'm going to be really embarrassed if it's not Lehman Brothers, but I, th- I think that's what it is. Okay. We're just going with Merrill Lynch as a random guess. So I think most of the banks said were have not gone bankrupt yet. Uh, the answer is Lehman Brothers. Yay! Good job. Woo-hoo. Not original. I've got all my money in a mattress, so it doesn't matter what happens to the rest of the world. <laughs> So uh, I think, Jeff, after the first five questions, um, we only have 30 points, and I think they're betting perfect. Is that right? I believe they have 50 points. Wow. All right. They came to play. Question number six. In historical times, the area we know as the Middle East was not referred to as the Middle East. The regions north of Saudi Arabia were grouped under a specific name referring to the sun rising in the east. It is sometimes used to describe the culture or food of the region, but it's usually just in historical context now. What is the regional name? Okay, we are locked in over here. Uh, we uh, thought about it, and uh, I feel like there's a piece of trivia knowledge in my head that the area was known as Mesopotamia, which means the land between two rivers, which is the Tigris and the Euphrates. Uh, so we're going to go with Mesopotamia. Uh, yes, the Fertile Crescent. Mesopotamia is what we're going with as well. Yeah, we had a similar thought. Uh, we've heard it in trivia and in the back of our heads, and we, we thought this could be right. And school. And school. Uh, Mesopotamia was a little earlier than what I was going okay. for. Uh, the answer I was looking for is Levant. Oh, Ken, we had a discussion about that. All right, question seven. Alan Menken, Brian Haugland, and Sandra Bullock are the only people to win both a Razzie and an Oscar in the same year. Somehow a movie has also accomplished this, grabbing Best Actor and Worst Supporting Actress in 1987. What is the name of the movie? So for five points instead of ten, I can give you the names of the Best Actor and the Worst Supporting Actress. We will definitely take that hint, right, Neil? Yes. Yeah, We'll take it. Surprisingly, uh, we don't know this at all. So. Okay. So this was starring Michael Douglas and Daryl Hannah. All right, Katie, that doesn't help me all that much. I know. Michael Douglas, what did he win for? Like Wall Street? Wall Street, maybe? Maybe. As uh, Gecko? Yeah. He, he played Gecko. the Gecko from the Geico commercials. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go with Wall Street. Let's do it. We also went with Wall Street. Yep, the answer is Wall Street. Good job, both teams. Whew. <laughs> Question eight. We are on our eighth generation of Pokemon. And the Japanese red-green turned 25 in February 2021. Many advances were made in each generation, including new items and new Pokemon types, but also the ability to breed Pokemon at a daycare. What was the first generation to have this feature? Breeding at a daycare? (laughs) At least call it like a breeding facility, (laughs) not a daycare. A breeding facility? (laughs) Well, they're Pokemon. Is that where you go to get extra cash like every day for like 50 bucks, right? Well, that's weird, um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know Pokemon very well outside of the OG, so let's uh, lock in. Okay. Katie, tell okay. me you're a huge Pokemon fan, please. No, I wish I, I were. My uh, my two boys are super into Pokemon right now, but I don't know. Like, I know about the different types you can be. Uh, we watch the show every single day. Uh I know a Snorlax is really huge. (laughs) (laughs) 
five, six. I, I have no idea. Let's go with six. It was the sixth generation. All right. So I think these generations like correspond with different games. So uh, we're just guessing, but we'll say the sword and shield uh, Pokemon. All right, guys, a little late on that. Uh, this is generation two, super early on. Really? Pokemon gold, crystal and silver. Okay. So let's uh, let's take into consideration that Lickitung was in the first generation, and they only got weirder from there. So Lickitung, okay, that's exactly what it sounds like. Alrighty, question nine. Dionysus, the Greek god of wine, fertility, and all-around fanaticism, did not have a normal birth. His mother was a mortal who died seeing his father's true form, and his father saved the child by sewing him into his thigh and giving birth a few months later. Who was the father? This is very similar to my uh, birthing story, actually. <laughs> you were you were sewn into a thigh. I was sewn into the thigh. I've abandoned my boy. <laughs> I've abandoned my son. Yeah, the the father was <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> uh, but joking aside, we will go ahead and lock in here. All right. Well, neither of us had much knowledge on the the Greek and Roman gods, and so At we just all. yeah, so we just went with uh, Zeus because he's the numero uno in a lot of this stuff. Yeah, we considered a lot of different options, um, but uh, at the end of the day, we couldn't specifically zero in on a god with a frightening, surprising appearance because he said something about the true form. So we just stuck with Zeus because we knew he was. Uh, Spreading a lot of seed. Let's, yeah, let's he, say that he 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 sowed a lot of seed. He took advantage of the Mountain Olympus Tinder back in his day. <laughs> he swiped right a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I had I had written this question uh, to show off my favorite story in Greek mythology, which is the birth of Dionysus. You guys caught on a bit with the uh, with figuring out who who spread the seed the most, and it was Zeus. Good job. Yeah, we just got to keep keep this simple, Neil, and we'll we'll make a comeback. Yeah, that's the problem sometimes that after doing this for so long is initially you want to go just with your gut, but we overthink everything. At least I do. You're like, oh, I'm a gut player, but too much. Yeah, you're- And you're a brain player, but too much. Right, exactly. So we meet in the middle, and you'd expect that it would be better, but actually it's just more failure. If you meet in the middle, you should be a heart player. Yeah, and I feel like what we're missing is when we play oh. with Matt as a team, he's sort of like our probiotic. He keeps us regular. <laughs> yeah, that's You're, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number 10, last of the first round. In a certain Disney animated film, Evan Rude the Dragonfly helps mice Bianca and Bernard through a swamp on a leaf boat. This is fitting since Evan Rude is also the name of a company that made boat motors. What is the name of this movie? We're locked in. Well, I think I remember Bianca was voiced by Zsa Zsa Gabor. I remember that piece of trivia. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. Is it The Rescuers? Okay. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, re I remember Rescuers. Rescuers Down Under, but that works for me. Yes, when I was young, I watched the sequel uh, Rescuers Down Under many times, and I really enjoyed that one. I, I didn't really enjoy the first one. Um, the third one where they bust into North Korea, much darker, um, what's and the they one, rescue their dads. What's the one um, where they steal the Declaration of Independence? That's uh, National Treasure Deal. Okay. Uh, but uh, it is the Rescuers. Yep, that's correct. Points all around. The answer is the Rescuers. Uh, speaking of Rescuers, uh, 
Daniel, uh, Oliver, and Katie are among many rescuers who keep our show afloat uh, on Patreon. Nice transition. Thank you. Uh, I am standing on a segue, as I often say, as I am segueing here. Um, but thank you very much to Daniel, uh, Katie, and Oliver for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we very much appreciate it. And if you'd like to join them in helping uh, the show continue to grow with new equipment and uh, some newer perks and whatnot, posters, boxes, uh, things of that nature, and tons and tons of extra audio content, you can go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast to help support the show. And uh, Jeff, we've been doing a lot of uh, letter filling and uh, you know shipping uh, different boxes and posters, and it's been uh, really rewarding uh, to have all of our support here on Patreon. Yep, it is a real joy to be able to pay back what we can to our patrons, including bonus episodes, which are some of my favorite recordings, especially uh, the brainchild of Matt, the uh, crop drop has been really fun the yeah, last year really fun and um so we uh we thank you all for your support but that's not the only way to support the show is it ken no you can also check out our uh, store at t public and uh buy a t-shirt yep as i said oliver is rocking a very nice one uh, neil did a lot of hard work working on the designs um, there's a couple that i'm for i'm very fond of the in sync style one is great uh where in the world is matt is also another one i'm very fond of so there's a lot of fun stuff over there, too, if you want to check it out and uh, get something for yourself for a trivia lover like you. We need to get a Ken is an otaku t-shirt also going, so we'll work on that one. Yeah, we could figure that out. And if you have any ideas, listeners, just email and we'll see what we can do. I'm not a graphic designer, but we'll figure it out. It'll be something. Yeah. Triviality podcast. It'll be something. <laughs> All right, let's go into the swing round. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, pencil and paper ready. So the swing round, I've got sporkles. So here's how I think we'll do this. Uh, 
I've got a category that describes a list of things, and teams are going to go back and forth naming different items on that list until teams run out of guesses or we finish the list. Okay. Ah, this is kind of like a callback to so, our early episodes with our tug of war. Yes. This is great. We haven't had a, an altered uh, swing run in a while. Exciting. Except for last, yeah, so. last, <laughs> last episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, though, Neil. So, for example, if I give you the seven colors of the rainbow, team one says red, team two says indigo, etc. And you get one strike per category, and we'll go until you run out. Okay. And we, we have a couple rounds of these, then? Yep, so there will be four categories, starting with the first 10 elements of the periodic table. Ooh, scary. So dirty blue, give me one. Uh, we'll start at the front, and we'll go with hydrogen. Hydrogen's correct. And we'll follow with Team. helium. Helium's also correct. Back to blue. Might as well go with number three with lithium. All right, lithium's correct. Back to original. Katie, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. This is where uh... it runs out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, aluminum. Aluminum is not in the top 10. Okay, Neil. So strike one used. Uh, I think I have a few more of these. Uh, pretty sure oxygen is eight. Oh. Okay. Yep, oxygen is correct. Pretty sure carbon is six, maybe? Yeah, so far so good. Oh, man. <laughs> yep, carbon's right. Uh, nitrogen? Nitrogen. Uh... Yeah, I think nitrogen's right. It's seven. Nitrogen's correct. Magnesium is 11. <laughs> Magnesium is not on the list. The ones you missed would be, um, it's uh, hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium is four, boron is five. You I, had I wasn't Carbon, there, nitrogen, so. oxygen, fluorine, and neon are nine and ten. All right, I don't feel bad. Why isn't Jeff playing this game? Wow, that was impressive. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I took chemistry in college and uh, there was a tool concert I had to get to and the exam was only offered in the evening and uh, I took the test in 20 minutes so I could make the concert. And... I think you made the right decision, let's <laughs> yeah, be honest. Yeah, totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, with this, uh, with this round, the pieces didn't exactly fit, but let's get the second category. All right, second category, maybe a little easier for you guys. Uh, best picture winners of the 1990s. So this is the year they came out, not the year that they won. So we will start with hopelessly unoriginal. Give me one. Uh, let's go with Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is right. Running through my mind. Dirty blue. blue. We'll go Dances with Wolves. I knew you'd start at 1990. Proud of you. <laughs> you do the easy ones yep. first, man. The easy ones first, so then they can't say it. All right, back to our original. Uh, we're gonna go with Titanic. See, yep, they Titanic's know what right. Doing. Okay, you want to go easy? Or right, Schindler's List. Schindler's List is right. American Beauty. Yep, American Beauty is correct. Yeah, it was ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Yeah. We will go Braveheart. Braveheart is correct. Uh. Go with Silence of the Lambs. Yep, Silence of the Lambs is 31. right. Speaking of yep. Braveheart, if you don't complete the list, uh, you'll suffer a similar fate. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, we will go with uh, the only, in well, uh, some of them are incorrect, but the only one that is a travesty will go Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> Dances with Wolves. Yep, Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare in Love is correct. Uh, 
And we'll take as good as it gets. As good as it gets did not win in the nineties. Oh 90s. no! Oh no! <laughs> All right, so Neil, can you say the last two? Our next guess is Unforgiven. Yep, Unforgiven's right. And the last one? Uh, it's the one I think I always forget uh, from 1996, and I believe it's The English Patient. Yep, English Patient is correct. I didn't know that one won. All right, next category. Stepping it up a little bit with the locations of the Olympic Games from the year 2000 to present, not including Tokyo. Start with Dirty Blue. Give me one. Okay, we will start with Beijing. Beijing is correct. Uh, Rio? I think they were in Rio. Yes, okay. Ago. Okay, we'll do Rio, please. Yep, Rio is correct. Back to blue. We will say Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is correct. Uh, Wasn't it in London, Katie, at one point? It was. That's what I had written down was London. Okay, let's go with that one. All right, London is correct. We'll go with Vancouver. Vancouver is correct. Another one I have, I was trying to remember the ones that were in Russia, and I believe it's Sochi. Okay, that sounds familiar. Okay, Sochi. Sochi is correct. Uh, we will say Sydney. Sydney's also correct. I'm, I'm fine with Los Angeles if we don't have anything better. Okay, <laughs> we'll offer up Los Angeles. All right, Los Angeles does not make the list. Yeah, we're kind of at the end of our rope here. I, I, all the ones I thought of, we've all named. And so you're saying Nagano was in the 90s. That was 98. Okay. Yeah. So there's, shoot, there's a South Korean one, <laughs> and there's a North Korean city that sound very similar. And I don't want to say the wrong one, but I think the South Korean one was Pyongyang. Pyongyang, South Korea, yeah. All right, Pyongyang. Is that North Korea? Yeah. That is North Korea. Yeah, the one you're looking for is Pyongyang. Pyongyang. Ah. That is the one you're looking for is Pyeongchang. And what was this one? Tor Turi Turin? Turin or Torino? Yep. Turin. On uh, Athens, yeah. nobody named, oh. which I was surprised yep. in 2004. Oh, that's okay. There we was did. an Olympics entirely on Clint Eastwood's lawn in Gran Torino? Yeah. <laughs> well, we did pretty good. He put millions into the stadium. All right, your final category. Getting a little harder here. We've got members of OPEC. So we'll start with Team Hopelessly Unoriginal. I would start with Saudi Arabia. Does that sound good, Katie? That sounds great. <laughs> All right, Saudi Arabia. Okay. Yep, easy one out of the way, Saudi Arabia. I'm not uh, too aware of what this is, but since they said Saudi Arabia, maybe it's, it's the gotta, oil. It's got to be oil, oil countries. Yeah. So let's say Venezuela. I hope it's Venezuela is correct. All right, good. It's not regional then. That's all right. Okay, we'll go with Iraq. Yep, Iraq is correct. We will go with Qatar. Qatar, or Qatar, is not correct. Hopelessly unoriginal. You got any more? Um, United Arab Emirates. That's correct. Yemen. I was thinking, um, yeah, Yemen's fine. I, I don't have anything better. Right, Yemen is incorrect. This one was a tough one. So we've got Algeria, Angola, Congo. Equatorial Guinea, Gabon, Iran, Kuwait, Libya, and Nigeria were the other ones. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, that was definitely quite the swing round. Uh, DB, is that uh, Dirty Blue? <laughs> Please don't call us DB. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so uh, Dirty Blue picked up uh, a whopping 80 points to bring them actually into the lead at 135, but they did not leave much room because we're looking at hopelessly unoriginal with a score of 130. So very close game. All right, question one. This number is the number of rules given to group members by Brad Pitt before participating in and eventually getting recruited to Project Mayhem. This is also the number of people who hang out at a blizzard shelter outside of Red Rock, Wyoming, before Samuel L. Jackson and Walter Goggins watch everyone get murdered. You might also know this number from the name of the reality TV series starring the Goslin family and their many children. Okay, we're good. All right, Katie. Eight is the number that came to mind with some of those clues, but... Yeah, the the definitely the John and Kate plus eight is is on my mind. But Hateful Eight is another, like the movie I'm thinking of, maybe. Okay, yeah. All right, well, let's go with eight. Sounds good to me. Yeah, uh, what I was saying was there's actually like nine characters in Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. but one of them is kind of a surprise. Um, so uh, we also went with eight. Yep, so the three clues were John and Kate plus eight, Hateful Eight, and the eight rules of Fight Club. Eight is the correct answer. There's eight rules least, of Fight Club? Dang. At least two of the rules are don't don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> All right, question two, your obligatory sports question. Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points by himself is a little impressive, but he also has six of the top 11 NBA scoring performances of all time on top of that. For five points each, name two of the other five people who managed to make the list. And just as a caveat... I do say 11 because there's a tie. It's still top 10 by score number. Uh, LeBron and Kobe. Kobe, I know, uh, has had some pretty impressive single point games. Michael Jordan obviously would be in the conversation, but you know, I would I would think maybe Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Let's go with them. <laughs> All right. Sound, sounds good to me. Didn't they just let Kobe run up the scoreboard his uh, final season, Neil? Yeah, that that was my thinking on uh, a couple of our answers as well. Um, I think his last game, possibly, um, they just like didn't play defense, and it was like uh, <laughs> the Harlem Globetrotters, and they just let him score <laughs> to make him feel better. Um, so I, we have to name two. Is that correct, uh, Daniel? Yes. Okay. So my thinking, I was talking to Ken. Um, I've been listening to a lot of our, our friends over at the Benchwarmers trivia podcast, and, and similar questions have come up, but I, I never retain the whole list, but the questions are always like, this person scored this amount of points. Anyway, I know David Robinson had a game uh, where he won MVP that year, where I think he scored like 65 points, which is pretty high. So he's on my list of possibles. And then Jerry West, the logo, I think he scored a lot in one of the games. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we mentioned. Um, And then Kobe, uh, MJ, obviously, and then Kobe Bryant. So I think we're going to officially lock in with Kobe Bryant because uh, of the Harlem Globetrotter game. And uh, I'm between David Robinson and MJ. I, I don't think, I know MJ, when he was starting out, scored like 63 or something in like his third year. But Ken, do you want to go MJ or Kareem for the second one? Uh, MJ. All right. So we'll go Kobe They're Bryant. They're both on the list. So. Yeah. We'll go Kobe Bryant and MJ. All right. So Kareem didn't quite make this list. Neither did MJ, surprisingly. So... The possible answers, in no particular order, were Elgin Baylor, David Robinson, David Thompson, Kobe Bryant, and Devin Booker. So five points each. I said David Robinson. I just didn't go with it. I, I should have, Ken. Sorry. That's okay. 
I couldn't help there. So, all right. Question number three. I tried to fit in a wrestling question, but I don't know anything about wrestling. So we'll see. One of mankind's most famous wrestling moments in history was when the Undertaker threw him off the top of the cage in their Hell of a Cell match. That wasn't even the main event. That went to the first blood match between Kane and Stone Cold Steve Austin. What was the name of the pay-per-view event this all took place? I'll go with whatever you, you think has a good chance. Shoot. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll just go with SmackDown. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the event. Okay, so he said Hell in a Cell in the question, which was my initial thought, but I do remember watching WrestleMania this year, and uh, they were mentioning Shane McMahon doing his large jump off the cell, but it was not as good as the one that Undertaker did with Mankind. So I'm just going to guess it was one of the WrestleManias. I'm not too good with numbers, so I'm going to say WrestleMania 24. So this is the literal only thing I know about wrestling. Uh, The answer is King of the Ring. Matt, Matt would have known that, yeah. My, my wrestling knowledge isn't as great with the old stuff because I've only been really watching intently like the last couple years. All right, question four. In military exercise, the duck walk is one of the exercises recruits have to pass to enter the U.S. Armed Forces. In music, a couple people like to do it as their signature move during their shows. Who is the guitarist who is credited with the invention of the dance move who would make Beethoven roll over in his grave? Okay, so the duck walk is on the U.S. Armed Forces entrance exam, but the duck face, I believe, is on the Instagram entrance exam, right? That is correct. You have to, yeah. All right, so we're looking for a guitarist. All right, we're going on the guitarist angle. We don't know the Beethoven reference, but hopefully we are in the right ballpark, so we are locking in. I'm not getting the Beethoven reference uh, either. I believe it refers to the song Roll Roll Over Beethoven, uh, which was a hit for... Uh, Marvin Berry's cousin, uh, Chuck Berry, I believe. <laughs> so I think it's, it's I think it's Chuck, Chuck Berry because he has that distinctive walk when he plays the guitar, and I believe he wrote "Roll Over Beethoven." Okay, so, so you're you're and great Back to the Future reference. I love it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you, and we pick somebody who copied that move. Yeah, so we just yeah we pick someone who homaged it. Yeah, so, great answer by Katie. We said Angus Young of ACDC. Yeah, but Angus Young has the signature one, but it was credited to Chuck Berry. Good job. Nice job, Katie. Yay. What what a weird thing to just do. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to do this while I'm playing guitar. And everyone just loved it, so just kept doing it probably. <laughs> signature moves. What if he had like something in his pants that like like a something his keys were like dropping and it ripped through the, <laughs> the pants and he's just kind of like shaking and oh just... <laughs> it was just a coincidence yeah that, that would be a great back to the future moment if they did that it's like uh have you ever seen the uh first michael jackson moonwalk no oh so if you watch that video like right before he does it you just get this sense that like something is going to change in pop music and then he does it and then like the crowd reaction is perfect because it's like people being amazed but also not knowing how to react to it maybe his underpants were just like bunched up that's possible. trying to figure it out. And then he also invented boxer briefs. Then. Or maybe he was like tripping on the cord. Yeah. I think we app. all need to come up with a signature move. Okay. That's that's the point. So, all right. We'll think about that and uh, let's get the next question in the meantime. All right. Question number five. Molecules have rules of naming them where they are either cations having a positive charge or anions, the negative charge. Many of these have familiar names like nitrate or sulfite. But what is the suffix eight or eight talking about? I was also at a tool concert on this day. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, chemistry is my worst subject. Uh, on paper, chemistry is my worst subject. Mm. I should mention. Um, so we'll just lock in with the with the guess. Yeah, I think it may have something to do with like if it's if hydrogen is involved in the molecule or something like that, or you know, like I think there might be an element that's part of the molecular okay. st structure. But again, I I went to that tool concert and it's really kicking me in the <laughs> the rear right now. Um, well, you chose wisely. Uh, I think that's fine to say. Uh, it means that hydrogen is present. Sounds good. And we're just going to toss it out there that it has a covalent bond. Oh, my God. That's what I was going to say, because I've seen 20 Because we don't know what, what the hell we're talking <laughs> about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hopelessly unoriginal, you were so close. What? This is referring. <laughs> these suffixes mean that they have oxygen in them. Oh. <sighs> so close. That's crazy. Dang it. All right, so five questions into the second round, and we are looking at another score change, this time the opposite way around. So taking the lead, hopelessly unoriginal with 155, and uh, Dirty Blue, 150. All righty, question number six. After his buddy Jim Goose gets burned alive and his family ends up dead, a deranged cop roams the Australian desert through several movies, meaning people such as Lord Humongous and Master Blaster. Who played this iconic wonder in all but one of the installments. All right. We are going to lock in. Is it, is it Mel Gibson as Mad Max? As Mad Max? I have no idea. Cause I know but there's several, be... cause there's several Mad Max movies and just the most recent one with, uh, the different Hardy. cast. Yeah. Or Thomas Hardy. <laughs> um, yeah. As he's, as he's known at the office. <laughs> My favorite Hardy boy. <laughs> Frank and mm. Joe, yeah, mm. nice. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, let's uh, go with Mad Max. Well, it's uh, Mel, I think Mel it's Gibson. the actor, so Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, yeah. Okay. Yes, we said the same. Mel Gibson for Mad Max. Yep, this question's referring to Mad Max, played by Mel Gibson. I also call Neil Lord Humongous. <laughs> Sometimes. It's not about what you think. <laughs> no, it's about his ego. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question seven. Dan Quayle had an interesting time as the 44th Vice President of the United States under George H.W. Bush, including a spelling bee incident where he misspelled what word by adding an E to the end. Do you know this one, Neil? I do know this one. Oh, that's good, because I do not. We can lock in. Katie? Uh, do, you, do you remember? I think it's potato or maybe tomato. I'm trying to remember how to spell them now, because, you know, um, being on the spot, but I think it's potato. I think it is, and... What makes it stick in my mind, strangely, is an episode of Murphy Brown, because in real life, Dan Quayle had criticized Murphy Brown in the single mother uh, role. And so on the show, they made a fictitious, they, they made an episode responding to, you know, the vice president's criticism. And one of the things that they did to retaliate was sent a truckload of potatoes to be dumped at the gate of the white house and so i just have this vision of this tractor trailer pulling up the back door opening and of tons and tons of potatoes spilling out so I, it's a uh, shame he didn't misspell uh, tomato right because <laughs> that would have been a bigger mess <laughs> well that's an awesome way to remember that so i'm good with potato you say potato we say potato <laughs> you, you don't say though. potato no 
Good. Uh, yes, the correct answer is potato. Yeah, I couldn't do a show with somebody who says potato. Potatoes. <laughs> You'll get that one eventually when you watch Lord of the Rings. All right, question number eight. In cybersecurity, hackers usually get placed into one of two camps based on their moral compass. One group is your typical stereotype, sabotage, extortion, malicious intents. The other attempts to work with organizations to make their infrastructure safer. These groups are denoted by what wearable item along with a particular color? Yeah, uh, we can look in. I know how you know it too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Michael Mann. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he just, did he just say the name Michael Mann? Yes. All right. I think that's the, <laughs> I think he once had a song called Romeo in Black Jeans. I'll tell you, Michael Mann is a film director. A hat? Oh, I like hat because you have black hat, white hat, and I think that's... Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. So hat. Okay, let's go with hat. All right, that's our final answer. Yeah, we will lock in with hat as well. And Ken was referencing a Michael Mann movie. Uh, and I knew that only because of the underperforming uh, Chris Hemsworth movie, Black Hat. So. Yep, nice pull on that one. The answer is hats. Woo! Yay! You got black hats and white hats. All right, question number nine. Many rodents, such as mice, squirrels, and rats, are incapable of vomiting. This is one of the reasons why rat poison is so effective. While most mammals are able to vomit, rodents aren't the only exception. What grazing farm animal also shares this characteristic? All right, I think we'll uh, pick one and we'll lock in. All right, if they're locked in, Katie, I'm, I'm thinking cows because they, I know they like chew their food twice. Yeah, and have the four chambers of their stomach. Maybe that comes into play somehow. Uh, yeah, I think cow is a great answer. Ken, I think you had the same idea, right? Yeah, we're, we're just kind of guessing, but uh, there is something weird about cow stomachs. There's four of them or something, so we went with cow. So yeah, cows, because they, they can chew their, their cud, they, they can vomit. up. Uh, the answer is horses. Oh. Horses cannot vomit. Hmm. This, this is like one of my true phobias, by the way. So I'm a little envious of horses. Vomiting is your true phobia? Yes. Oh, okay. Hate it. All right. Question 10. I think this one's more of a layup. John Travolta, Kevin Bacon, and Patrick Swayze are all accomplished actors. Each one of them starred in iconic movies centered around a recreational activity in which they also excelled. Although the only Oscar between the three movies is for original song. What is this activity? Walking. Is it dancing, Katie? I'm sure it would be. Johnny from Dirty Dancing and John Travolta from... Saturday Night uh, Live. Or not Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that may, that fits with the winning an Oscar for a song, because I think... Uh, I almost said Saturday Night Live. Uh, one. <laughs> the Bee Gees? For the Bee Gees, yeah. I think right, dancing well. is the right answer. Is that, is that right, Barry? The last one is uh, Footloose, right? Yeah, Kevin Bacon, Footloose. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, guys, it's dancing. Yeah, we want dancing. Yep, the answer is dancing. Good job, guys. All right, both teams adding 40 points to their scores in the second half of that round, so the margins remain the same. Hopelessly unoriginal, adding all the way up to 195, and then we've got our Dirty Blues here with a score of 190. Thank you. All right, categories for your final round. 
Number one is New Kids on the Blockchain. Number two is Bat Creek Boys. Number three is Everything But the Kitsch and Sink. Number four is Motown. And number five is Toy Brands. Okay, all the wagers are locked in. So let's go ahead and get the questions now. All right, question number one, New Kids on the Blockchain. Bitcoin was not the first cryptocurrency, but it was the first decentralized crypto and is still the most expensive when compared against the dollar. The second most expensive utilizes a virtual machine to do most of the transactions and unlike Bitcoin, can integrate with other forms of currency. Name this crypto. Question number two, Bat Creek Boys. The Bat Creek Stone was found during a Native American burial mound excavation in the late 1800s near present-day Teleco Lake. There's been debate over whether or not the inscription on it is the Cherokee or Paleo-Hebrew language, but later findings suggest, suggest that it was fraudulently made to please archaeologists. What bluegrass U.S. state was this stone supposedly found? Question number three, the kitsch and sink. The idea of kitsch is related to camp, where art is created in the spirit of irony or amusement. Kitsch is also the subject in a book by Milan Kundera, which defines the concept of totalitarian kitsch. Name this book, also the title of a 1980s movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis. Question number four, Motown. Motown Records was, a very influential, was very influential in the work of music, supporting artists such as the Supremes and the Jackson 5. What city did Motown originate and have their headquarters in before moving to Los Angeles? And question five, toy brands. Since 2018, Hot Wheels has hosted a Legends Tour, a contest where entrants submit a custom-built car for a chance to have it be created as a Hot Wheel. Last year's winner was chosen by celebrity judges Jay Leno, Gabriel Iglesias, and Snoop Dogg. What is the name of the company that owns the brand Hot Wheels? Okay, we will consider these answers and we'll be right back. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah, the show has examined weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages. Teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. 
spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Okay, all the answers are now locked in. So uh, the wagers are as follows. Uh, Hopelessly unoriginal, 20s all the way down. And Dirty Blue, zero on the first one, and then 20s all the way down. So let's see how we did. Questions one more time, please. All right, question number one. Bitcoin is currently still the most expensive cryptocurrency against the dollar. What is the second most expensive currency? Again, we were frightened by this question uh, category, so we did not wager, but we said Litecoin. All right, and and we talked about a few different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin Cash, uh, something along the lines of Ethereal. But what's been in the news most uh, or lately has been this meme-based cryptocurrency, Dogecoin, and uh, we're going to go with that. All right. Well, Ethereal is actually pretty close. The answer is Ethereum. Yeah, but for you guys me, it's didn't... just a toss-up of which one to pick. Like, I know the names of them, but I don't know anything about them. So, sorry, Katie. Dang it. No, that's fine. I, I knew nothing about cryptocurrency. All the ones, all the ones you said though are in fact real currencies. All right. Question number two: The Bat Creek Stone was found near present-day Teleco Lake in the late 1800s. In what bluegrass U.S. state? Yep, just going off the bluegrass angle, uh, that's Kentucky. Yeah, and uh, for me, it's where I'm sitting right now at this exact moment, uh, the bluegrass state, Kentucky. Yeah, somehow that, was, that worked out for you. Uh, <laughs> the answer is Kentucky. All right, question number three. Milan Kundera wrote a book defining the concept of totalitarian kitsch. What is the name of the book, also the title of a 1980s movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis? Okay, we named almost every Daniel Day-Lewis movie from the 80s that we could. Uh, there were a couple that sounded good, like Dangerous Liaisons um, and uh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. And we thought Unbearable Lightness was the best uh, book title. So that's what we went with. That sounds like a great answer. <laughs> and unfortunately, not what our answer was. Uh, we tried to name off some Daniel Day-Lewis movies from the 80s and did not get as far as you all did, uh, but we went with My Left Foot. A great answer and also the correct one, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Question number four. Motown Records had their headquarters originally located where before moving to Los Angeles? Yep, uh, we thought that this was Detroit. And, and we thought the same thing. We both came up with that answer. It points all around. It is Detroit. All right, last question. Hot Wheels is owned by what company? Uh, we think the parent company might just be Hasbro. So that's what we said. And we talked uh, about a couple different things with uh, Kenner Toys and Hasbro, Tonka. And in the end, we uh, went with Matchbox. All right, Matchbox was the original creator, but unfortunately, they were bought by Mattel. Mattel is the correct answer. All right. Unfortunately, losing 20 points, hopelessly unoriginal, uh, dropped their score to 175. But today's cream of the crop, adding 40 points overall, Ken and Neil over at the Dirty Blues, 230. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Nice job, guys. Feels good to Way be to the go. cream again. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, great game to both of you. I mean, it, it really all came down to that final. I mean, we were we were behind, so you yeah. just got to keep kicking your feet, right? Churning that uh, butter. Yeah, I, I, have, I haven't been liquid form in a while. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm rarely the cream. I was gonna say normally it's either it goes to the final and then it's either a complete bust or you come out victorious. So yeah, yeah it's a great game and and even more so the questions were were really great. So thank yeah. you, Daniel, for writing this game. Yeah, basically neck and neck the whole time. So great job, you guys. Yeah, great job, Daniel. Yeah, that yeah, was a great you. game. <laughs> Good to know that this was uh, not as easy as I thought it was, but it's all right. Yes. So we want to say thank you again to Daniel. Uh, any any last uh, last words you want to say today? All right, yeah, this was a ton of fun. I very much enjoyed it. Glad everyone enjoyed my game. And uh, shout out to my family who's probably listening, and they gave me some inspiration for a couple of questions. So thanks to them. All right, thanks thanks again. And Oliver, uh, any last uh, thank yous you want to give out? I had a great time. Thank you very much. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I, I enjoy the content every time, uh, every week when it's released. All right, thank you, Oliver. And Katie, shout out time. Oh, yay. Uh, just wanted to shout out to my husband. Uh, he's great. And uh, I also wanted to shout out you guys, the uh, the Triviality guys. Um, you know, part of this last year has been really tough with losing routines and, uh, you know, steady things. And uh, to be able to hear you guys come out every single week without without interruption was really did a lot for, for people's uh, mental health, I think. So, Shout out to you and all the other podcasts that kept uh, entertaining us through a tough year. And I'll give a shout out to the other Triviality guys, too, because this is the only consistent thing in my life right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel the same way, but we, we appreciate those kind words uh, sincerely. And uh, that'll do it for the show. So for Daniel, Oliver, Katie, Jeff, Neil, Matt, uh, stuffing his face with meatballs, yep. and myself, Ken, that was Triviality. Oh, Patrick Warburton. Oh, yeah. Oh, Putty. Putty. That's yeah. great. Oh, yeah. I, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Hopelessly Unoriginal. It's uh, it's great. It's both the title of my autobiography and sex tape. <laughs> Hopelessly Unoriginal. <laughs> <laughs>